0: The number of abortions is decreasing nationwide with the numbers in Indiana falling at an even faster rate than the national average. The number of abortions performed in Indiana has dropped by 20% in the last five years. Some are attributing the decline to increased use of contraceptives, while others are pointing to stricter restrictions on pregnant women seeking abortions. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, and today on Noon Edition, we'll speak with guests about the possible factors behind the decline, options for women in the state, and education about sexual health and reproduction. And we invite you to join the conversation after this hour's news.
1: School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu.
0: welcome to noon edition i'm bob Salzberg from the herald times along with co-host mary catherine carmichael In the number of abortions performed in indiana has declined more rapidly than the nationwide average indiana abortions have decreased by 20 percent since the year 2010 while across the country the rate has decreased only by about 12 percent some have attributed this trend to stricter restrictions on pregnant women seeking abortions in the Hoosier State. This week uh, on Noon Edition, today we're gonna be discussing the potential factors causing the decline, and we're gonna examine what's being done to avoid unintended pregnancies. We have two guests with us in the studio, and one joining us for a little bit by phone. In the studio with us are Shelley Dodson, who's the director of the All Options Pregnancy Resource Center in Bloomington, and Lee Zaben, who's the Community Programs Director for Healthcare Education and Training. Uh, She is uh, in the studio with us as well. And also Betty Cockrum is joining us by phone. Betty's been a a frequent guest of the show. She's president of Planned Parenthood of Indiana and Kentucky. uh, And uh, she'll be with us just for about the first 15 minutes. So if you want to give us a call today, you can. We'd love to have your conversation with us uh 812 811 in bloomington or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight 285 9348 outside of the bloomington area and you can join the live chat at wfiu.org noon you can even follow us on twitter at noon edition so thank you all for being here so it's great to have you both in the studio shelly and lee and We'll get to you in just a few minutes, but we're going to talk to Betty first, since she has limited time. And, Betty, so what do you make of these uh, the, this new this new statistic that Indiana's abortion rate is, is going down faster than other states?
2: Well, of course, we're pleased to see that number go down, and, and it's great that it's higher in Indiana than the rest of the country. Anytime Indiana can celebrate a good uh, ranking in comparison is, is cause for celebration. Um, I'm I'm absolutely clear that the uh, reduction has to do with education, and it has to do with access to birth control. It has to do with the Affordable Care Act offering birth control without copay. Although that was kind of early in the game, given that this goes um, through 2010, um, there's no question that the. Awareness of and and, and access to long-acting reversible contraceptives is uh, making a difference out there. There's no question that emergency contraception, having gone over the counter, regardless of age, uh, it's effective up to 120 hours after unprotected sex, and and people know about it, and people use it.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: So how... how, uh... How has this, the education effort gone on? I mean how have you how do you think the word has been, uh, has been getting out?
2: Well, the education effort certainly a challenge here in Indiana because school courts generally are uh, are challenged to, to just meet the basic requirements. and so sexuality education isn't something that you see most just, it's just pretty much not out there across Indiana. So we make sure that we have educators um, geographically placed, and they do outreach. Um, first focus always on parents because that's that's where those conversations happen best. Lots of parents aren't comfortable, and so um, we we try to be there instead. Um, and and I would submit that the um, the amazing coverage um, of the of Indiana having been the first state to defund Planned Parenthood gave us an opportunity to raise awareness of, of what Planned Parenthood really does and, and how we address women and men making informed decisions about whether and when to become parents and, and how to do that well.
0: Yeah, So much of the discussion about Planned Parenthood i mean, so, uh, has been well, one. I, I won't say so much of the discussion, but a lot of people like to talk about abortion when they talk about Planned Parenthood. But, you know, your organization does so much more than that.
2: Well, that's a critical point. Um, they absolutely do want to always focus on abortion when, in fact, that's just really a tiny percentage of, of the patients we see. What we really do is, is more than anybody else in the state of Indiana to reduce abortion because that is done by reducing unintended pregnancy. It's it, it just simply a fact um, Half of the pregnancies that occur are unintended, and half of those end in termination. And if one wants to be even more effective in reducing the number of abortions, it's about education and it's about access.
0: So how about, um, I'd like to get your view on the, the idea, and we're gonna hear from someone here in just a few minutes um, who we, we have on on. uh we've recorded this week, but about the idea that uh, aggressive anti-abortion laws in the state have, are the, the real reason why this has all been, why, why the state's rate has gone down. How do you uh, respond to that?
2: Well, of course, it's their job to, to make that claim. Um, I, don't, I don't give it any ground whatsoever. The, the fact of the matter is that um, when they erect those barriers, uh, it, it, its potential consequences, they increase risk to a woman if in fact she's delaying her uh, decision and, and, and getting the abortion completed um, women women have always figured out a way to terminate pregnancies that was true decades and centuries before Roe v wade it's just, it's a fact of life and that's why it's so important that we make sure they have a safe place to go
1: Betty has um any of the, the uh, things that have transpired prior to today, and I mean going back uh, uh, s- several years, has, has any of that caused you to downsize Planned Parenthood or to um, decrease the number of sites that uh, are available for women if they choose that procedure?
2: We, have, um, we do have fewer sites. Um, the first real reason for that was back in 2009 when um, then Governor Daniels decided to privatize the uh, federal family planning dollars and we lost a pretty significant chunk of of, of our uh, participation and that was tough. Um, some of you have probably read about the, uh, are aware of the uh, crisis that started in Scott County with, with HIV and we used to have a health center there and we were the only provider there who dealt with that testing and treatment and um and I, I just think it's important for decision makers politicians lawmakers to understand their consequences there there are significant public health policy consequences to to removing providers Mm-hmm. Nope. so
1: you were i assume you were the only um provider of um uh sex sexual sex education as well as um, um, free or or reduced charge um, prophylactics and and um, all, all manner of protection along those lines is that correct in scott county that
2: is correct
0: all right now one other point I wanted to ask you about Betty is um, I know that in this uh, analysis that was done about abortion rates the a couple of states in particular uh, Louisiana Michigan the the abortion rate actually jumped in those states. Uh, Michigan, of course, is just north of Indiana, and I read, uh, you know, a quote from you. I think it was actually from a story on WFiu that was played this morning about, you know, your thoughts for why those states uh, increased in their abortion rates.
2: Well, and the the, the obvious theory there is that because. Um it, it, they have made it so difficult in Ohio um, with the lawmaking in the last several years for providers to, to offer women access to uh, to safe and private abortion. That that we believe Michigan is seeing an influx of Ohio patients, and you know, Texas has been national news for a very long time uh, with every effort that they make to to. Um, to make it impossible for providers to offer the service. I mean, there have been lots of health centers, lots of um, abor- abortion providers who were in place several years ago who are no longer.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so the Texas Texas patients are going into Louisiana.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Betty, as you look to the future of for Planned Parenthood, what are you most concerned about?
2: Well, um, but, you know, it's so clear to me that that we need to be there um, to be a, a welcome place for women and men to get their reproductive health care and we're often the only provider the only health care provider that they see and of course some seventy five percent of our patients are um, are in in the less fortunate economic category and it's it' just we need to be there mm-hmm. that said um as we celebrate the um Continued implementation of the Affordable Care Act and the um, that they took away the copay. There's no question that that in and of itself um, affects the business model. And Planned Parenthood's across the country have been looking at that. And we always talk about the occasional mission win that then challenges the margin. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those is the change in PAP protocols. It, Six years ago, we had sixty thousand patients who had pap tests inside our facilities, and last year it was more like eight thousand. Wow. Now, it was a it was good public health, a good public health decision, um, a good medical protocol. But it, it has that effect, and the emergency contraception having gone over the counter um, means that there are that many more places where um, people can can make that purchase. So. It's that mission wins. And when it's all said and done, mission's what counts most. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right, we just have you for a couple of more minutes, Betty. So, um, you know, what do you see on the horizon for, you know, legislation, either on the state level or the national level that um, we should be looking at in terms of, of these issues?
2: Well, it's, you know, it, it it feels like it just continues to get more challenging. I I always kind of assume that um, anything that got proposed in the last legislative session will be revisited in the next one. And in the meantime, um, you know, there's a lot of sharing of, of language and concepts mm-hmm. across the country. And those sometimes get picked up part and parcel and dumped into legislation that gets filed here in Indiana. Um, we just have to hope that, that, that when it's all said and done, people can take the longer view and understand that abstinence plus is the way to educate. You can pretend that teenagers don't have hormones and they don't have sex, but they have, they do, they always have. And I think if you think it's important to protect them from, you know, the D.A.R.E. program that teaches them about substance abuse and cigarettes and, and alcohol, and if you want to get your driver's license here as a teenager in Indiana, there's some pretty severe restrictions and boundaries on that why why don't we make sure that our young people understand that abstinence is the best approach but if you for some reason decide that's not your path how do you protect yourself from unintended pregnancy and std Mm -hmm.
0: and then finally just to to sort of loop back to the beginning of this i mean we're talking about this because of the recent report that showed that indiana's abortion rates dropped by 20 percent since 2010 which is compared to 12% from across the country, and I just wanted to get back to the idea that from your perspective, that's that's actually a very positive sign.
2: Totally positive, and again, um, nobody does more than Planned Parenthood to, to help address that number and, and to make it go down some more, because we educate and we make sure that um, Hoosiers know they can come to us and, and, uh, and get information and product to plan their pregnancy. Oh,
1: I, Betty, if you don't mind, I want to loop back to Scott County for just one last follow-up question on that. Um, <clears throat> have you been called upon, or has Planned Parenthood been called upon, to be part of the solution? Are you going to go back into Scott County, or what's your involvement with that situation at this point?
2: We've uh, had really good conversation, dialogue, almost from the beginning with the people who are on the front lines dealing with this and and they know we're available for any way that we can help Um, and and that's true well beyond scott county at this point because so many others are waking up to the reality in their own counties and their own communities
1: Mm -hmm. thank
0: you all right well betty we really appreciate your time we're going to let you go but uh, i want to thank you very much for being with us today
2: And I sure thank you for letting me. Uh, Thanks, Betty. All
0: right, that was Betty Cochram, who is the president of Planned Parenthood of Indiana and Kentucky. Uh, We're gonna, gonna, I'll give you the phone numbers here in just a minute. But first, we're gonna play um, uh, uh, some comments from Betty or Sue Swayze. I'm sorry, who's the Indiana Right to Life vice president of public affairs? We invited Sue to be with us today, but she was unable to join us. But uh, we do have her talking about the factors behind the declining abortion rates over the past five years.
4: There are a number of things that we can attribute it to. One, everybody wants to talk about all the latest laws that have been passed since 2010, and that is, that is true. In fact, the majority of them were in kind of two categories. One category was cons- consent information for women. In Indiana, for example, prior to 2011, we didn't have anything in writing that she had to get so in 2011 we upgraded our law to give her some information in writing much like you and I would get before we get any sort of medical procedure some information and so now women are making more informed choices Uh, the other kind of category of legislation has had to do with regulations and health and safety standards for abortion providers and uh, that, that was in need of kind of a, a fine-tuning and an upgrade uh, so that we can expect um, the same standards as other medical providers. Um, I th- am going to assume that the inf- uh, media coverage, information about that, the information over the last few years, maybe had a chilling effect on s- for some women that, you know, maybe some of the places didn't have the standards that they needed to have. And then one big... Uh, big factor that I'm not sure I've seen too much uh, talked about is um, is the youngest generation, our millennials, our younger generation are more pro-life than any of us. So in my day, I remember when Roe came in and we really thought it might be a blob of tissue or something. But in today's uh, generation, they've grown up with ultrasounds. They don't know any different. It's an ultrasound and something we share, we put on Facebook. We And so social media and technology like ultrasounds has shown that that's a baby. And um, this generation is the most pro-life we've ever had. I attribute the fact uh, of social media and technology that they may not be choosing abortion as often as maybe my generation did.
0: All right. That was uh, Sue Swayze, who's the Indiana Right Right to Life Vice President of Public Affairs. Uh, Again, we invited her to join us today. But she was unable to be here in the studio, but we wanted to play her her position on all this. I think that clearly she and and uh, Betty Cochran agree that the the news is good news. They just disagree on how how it was arrived. How we at, got there how yeah. we got there, right. So uh, if you want to join our conversation today, you can uh, give us a call as always at um 855-0811 that's 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348 and you can join the live chat at wfiu.org noon edition and you can follow us on twitter at noon edition so i want to introduce our guests in the studio here with us shelly dodson director of all options pregnancy resource center in bloomington and Lee Zabin, the Community Programs Director for Healthcare, Education and Training. Let me ask both of you sort of, what, what do you do? What's your organizations? What are your organizations up to?: Lee.
5: Hi, so healthcare education and training is based in Indianapolis and also has an office in Madison, Wisconsin, and we work to improve sexual and reproductive health outcomes. Mm -hmm. So we do that by providing education, training, evaluation services, and professional development opportunities for healthcare providers, youth workers, and parents. So Mm -hmm. we're not direct service providers, but like the um, Becky from uh, Planned Parenthood Mm -hmm. spoke of, we look at really reaching the adults who work with youth And updating them on the resources and information regarding um, sexual health education and options for adolescents and um, adults. So you educate the trainers, exactly.
6: Okay, or educate the educators,
5: exactly. Okay. <laughs> all, right. all
1: right, fair enough.
0: Okay, and, and Shelly, your organization is new, right?
6: Yes, mm-hmm. um, All Options Pregnancy Resource Center is a place where Hoosiers in southern, indeed, South Central Indiana, can find open-hearted and open-minded support through all of their pregnancy and parenting turning points. So at All Options, people can get connected with the care and resources that supports their needs. So we do this by offering pre-pregnancy tests and peer counseling, material support like diapers, baby clothes, or abortion funding, support groups across all pregnancy and parenting experiences, and then referrals to other sorts of local Community service providers. We're a secular, client-centered organization where everyone is welcome, and all services are confidential and available free of charge.
0: Okay, so we're gonna uh, before we're gonna go to a break here in about two or three minutes. But before we do, I want to continue this discussion of the abortion statistics, and afterward, we can talk. We can range out to a lot of other topics. But uh, you know, you heard both Betty and and Sue talking about um, you know their take on why these numbers went down. Can you guys? give us your, mm-hmm. your your thoughts about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I
6: think it's a really hard question to answer unless we to say whether or not it's good or bad without really knowing what it means, because I think that context is really important for this conversation. So on one hand, I feel as though fewer abortions is good if it's because more people are accessing the birth control that they need to prevent pregnancy or they're being supported to become parents when they want to be. And on the other hand, I feel like that could be a bad thing if more pregnant people are trying to access abortion care and aren't able to because of legal restrictions or other barriers to care, and our goal at All Options is that everyone can get the care they need to make the reproductive decisions that they want to make when they want to make them.
5: So that's how we define success.
0: Okay, okay. all right, Lee.
5: I would say, from an adolescent perspective, um, just the trend over the last 20 years nationally is that teen pregnancy and birth rates have declined, um, and most states have followed that trend. Mm-hmm. Um, the CDC recommend There's not a whole lot of data to explain exactly why, but the CDC does recommend because less teens are having sex and those who are are using more effective forms of birth control. Um, I would say here in Indiana, we've seen an increase in evidence-based programming for um, related to sexual health education, um, whether that's provided in schools or community organizations. Um, It's important to note, though, that Indiana the teen birth and pregnancy rate is still higher than the national average, and so there's still a lot of room for improvement to improve um, teens' access to birth control and also their knowledge about what their choices are. So,
1: in fact, we're just kind of catching up uh,
5: to the—or
1: catching down, I guess, to the national average. Is that correct?
5: Yes. So we're still higher than the national average for teen pregnancy and birth rates, but we have declined— returning Gen exactly yeah. okay all right that was what I was trying to say that didn't <laughs>
0: thanks all right we're gonna we're gonna ask our, I'm gonna ask our caller to uh, to hold on till after the break because we're gonna take a short break now uh, we're talking about uh, the fact that abortions have declined have declined in Indiana by a faster rate than the state average over the last five years and we're talking about uh, access to birth control education all sorts of issues here on noon edition
7: today so uh, we'll be right back This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org.
0: welcome back to noon edition i'm bob zaltzberg from the herald times along with co-host mary Catherine carmichael and we are talking today about um various options really when it comes to uh to sexual education uh, abortions options to abortions just when young people get pregnant Uh, the uh the The hook for the program is that abortions have been performed in indiana uh, by a declining amount over the last five years twenty percent decrease over the last five years uh, compared to twelve percent decrease in the rest of the country some people have been attributing this to uh, stricter regulations uh, stricter restrictions in in uh, in the the state for pregnant women who are seeking abortions and others like betty cochran was with us in the first half of the program talk a lot more about uh, the educational efforts and a lot more awareness about how people can uh, have children when they want to have children as opposed to getting pregnant uh, un- by an unintended consequence. So that's what we're talking about today. Shelly Dodson, the director of the All Options Pregnancy Resource Center in Bloomington, is with us. And Lee Zaben is the community programs director for health care, education, and training. She's uh, come down from Indianapolis today. So we have them with us in the studio today. If you have uh, questions or comments, 812-8550, in Bloomington, or one 877 285 You can also join us uh, on WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. And we do have two people who are on the line, and um, we want to ask uh, Don from Terre Haute to go first. Don? Yeah. Hi, Mr. Shilford.
8: Um I just wanted to bring up one point in particular. Uh, Your guest from Planned Parenthood has spoken about the uh, small percentage of their clients that actually are seeking abortion services, which is true. Uh, but the issue is that about a third of their income, to, of, of about forty percent, is actually derived from those services. So even though the percentage seeking those services is small, they're very really dependent on, on funds from those services. So, uh, and her admission that they had had the uh, closed clinic, or that, that uh, services have been reduced in some of the laws have the instituted. it just doesn't seem um, intellectually honest that that wouldn't have an effect on the abortion rate in the state of Indiana. So I just wanted to bring up
0: those, those points. Okay. Well, we appreciate your comment. Of course, Betty uh, Cockerman is not on us with, for the second half of the show, so I can't get her to respond, but we appreciate cool. your listening and, and commenting. Thanks very much. Thanks. Okay, Don, thanks. Uh, And then we have Christy from Brown County on the show. Christy?
3: Hi, how are you? Hey,
0: good. Go right ahead.
3: My comment is I agree with everything Planned Parenthood does and has done over the years from A to Z. I'm just wondering if some of the decrease in abortion, which would be an increase in pregnancies, is isn't attributed to the fact that there have been so many more funds given out to women uh, who don't have jobs and they have children and they get food stamps and they dependent children and
4: free housing
3: that maybe the rest of the country is supporting the other half of the country and maybe they've learned that uh, that's an easy way to live.
1: Um, I thought, and I, I could be wrong, but you guys panel back... Or- Feel free to correct me. I thought that um, the statement is also that not only are abortions decreasing, but um, unintended pregnancies in general are decreasing. Is that correct? Well,
3: I mean, yeah, I, I mean that would be that, that would be great. That's what I say. I agree with Planned uh, uh-huh. Parenthood A
6: to Z. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think all the the problem is that we don't have access to what, I don't know what the current birth rates yeah, are, as, it, as yeah. they've also yeah. decreased, because I feel like that's the part about in the context that's really important mm-hmm. to this conversation, mm-hmm. is what's happening overall in trends, and are the people who are going on to continue the pregnancies being supported in doing so?
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't speak to the reasons why someone would want to terminate a pregnancy or not um, from a fiscal perspective, but I do know that the return on investment we get when investing in Prevention of unplanned pregnancies, that cost that we get back is so much greater than the cost of a child that's born to a mother who's a teenager or without health insurance. So the return on investment in investing in the prevention of unplanned pregnancies is, is very great.
3: Mm-hmm. And that's, so and I, yeah, I think that's wonderful. I, I really do. I just wanted to bring a different perspective into the situation of saying, hey, you know, maybe this is part of it because i believe and i'm not very political even though i know indiana is a republican more state uh you know the democratic president we have cetera. i know more funds have been funneled into what i as an older person call welfare
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i i I think we understand your point christy and I, i think uh you know a little bit about uh what lee was saying also is that you know an unintended consequence can lead to a a lot of uh, costs, and some of them are going to be be um, borne by the public um, of, of mothers trying to raise children if they don't have the means to do so. So,
3: Well, I thank you very much for taking my call, and I I enjoy NPR very much.
0: Hey, thank you very much.
3: Thanks for listening, Christy
0: all right if you have a question or a comment 812-855-0811 in bloomington one 877 285 outside of the bloomington area you can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash and you can follow us on twitter at noon edition
1: shelly i want to talk a little bit about kind of the genesis of all options pregnancy center in
6: bloomington how did
1: how did It's just recently opened, yes? Mm -hmm. Yes, Tell me how you guys started.
6: Yeah, we launched May 1st of this year, and we are really excited to be in the community. We've had a lot of support. Our parent organization, Backline, has been around since 2004, so we've been doing this work for 10 years, and we've been here in Indiana for the past three years. And the work that we've been doing on our talk line is... Has, has been to support people without judgment without judgment and unconditional support across all their pregnancy parenting abortion and adoption experiences. Is, is that like a crisis hotline yep. type so of thing? so it's a talk day? line. Okay. It's the only talk line that exists where people can find support across all of their pregnancy and parenting experiences. So time and time again people call us because we're the only safe space where they can talk about all of their experiences and really bring their whole messy, complex selves mm-hmm. to the conversation because, you know, it's it's we often silo these issues and experiences as that that there are certain people that have abortions and there are certain people and parents and the reality is is that these are the same people at different points in their lives mm-hmm. and that we want to be able to talk about that and moving beyond this idea of you're either pro-life or pro-choice and that you're living your lived experiences and that's often far defined support without. It's hard to find support for people without that judgment and crimination because we have investment. Everyone always has thoughts about what people should do or what they shouldn't do. Mm -hmm.
1: So um, it sounds like some of your services offered are a little bit uh, redundant uh, uh, of what Planned Parenthood does. Um, So what's your relationship, if any, with Planned Parenthood and how do you work that out?
6: Yeah, so we really work in complement to Planned Parenthood, and the services we provide, I think, are very much different from what they're providing. Um, So we're offering the free pregnancy tests and peer counseling, as well as the diapers, the baby clothes, and the abortion funding and and support groups. And we're also being able to give people referrals for abortion care Mm -hmm. when they're looking for that.
1: And where does your funding come from?
6: We have a, a, a mix of funding that comes. We have a very strong individual donor base of so people that want to see this work happening here, as well as a mix of um, foundations and some small grants.
0: Mm-hmm. But it also sounds like you do some of the same work that maybe a crisis pregnancy center would mm-hmm, do.
6: Mm-hmm. So right. you're kind of a blend. Right. So, and I think we really wanted to build upon that model of what a pre- pregnancy resource centers do because I feel like they're really filling in a gap of services that aren't being provided to mm-hmm. people because we know that, especially, you know. All families are sort of struggling, and also Hoosier families are really struggling to make ends meet. And oftentimes, what they are needing is that support around diapers or baby clothes, or just someone to talk to about what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. And where we are different from crisis pregnancy centers is that we're making referrals for birth control or abortion care. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you do? Um, do you set people up with uh, any mentoring services, or just stick with the peer counseling?
6: Or tell me how that works? We stick with the peer counseling, and oftentimes it's the one place where people can talk about. Everything that's going on about how the recent miscarriage brings up feelings about abortion that they had or what it's like to be an adoptive person with an unattended pregnancy and how that's bringing up feelings or whether or not they're choosing to between, you know, parenting the second child or, or terminating the pregnancy. And there's just not there's not many spaces where people can talk about those things. So it sounds like um, do you have a you have a counseling background? Yes. Yes. Uh, my background is in public health education. Okay. Yes. And so do you
1: have, you have trained counselors on staff?
6: Yes. Yeah, so we have, we have a very strong volunteer driven model of the work that we do. So people go through 40 to 50 hours of initial training to become trained peer counselors, because we believe that there's such good work with the model of being able to talk to someone who's a peer and to just be able to have an, an empathetic ear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how are you defining peers? peers would be anyone that has gone through our training so that's some of that's not but we're really clear that we're not professional counselors and not we're not providing any medical advice
0: okay mm-hmm. okay thanks <laughs> all right again you can join us at 855-0811 that's in the 812 area code so 812 855 or 1-877-285-9348 you can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition and you can follow us on twitter at noon edition so lee the uh, healthcare education and training uh, you really talk a lot about evidence-based, uh, re- you know, your research and and information. So, could you expand on that a little bit?
5: So, actually, when I say evidence-based, I'm mm-hmm. referring to 26 um, evidence-based programs that the Department of Health and Human Services has identified as effective programs for reducing teen pregnancy and STD yeah. rates, mm-hmm. um, and also uh, sexual risk behaviors associated with early onset sexual initiation. Um, mm-hmm. The importance in Indiana of spreading the word on best practice and evidence-based programs is because the law actually states that a teacher is required or school um, to teach abstinence from sexual activity outside of marriage as the expected standard for all school-age children. However, it's a misconception that you can't teach anything above that, so that abstinence plus model. Um, And abstinence and education about contraception should really be taught complementary to each other. Um, Abstinence can be effective for younger youth and also those who have never had sex before. However the reality is that over 50 percent of youth in Indiana are sexually active Um, and that comes actually from a self-reported survey of Indiana youth from 2011. How are we defining youth? What's the age group? Um, So the youth risk behavior survey, that percentage I'm discussing is um, that would be 15 to 19 year olds in that range anyone from 9th to 12th grade. Um, Adolescents can be defined from 10 to 24 so you can find pregnancy and um, birth rates for youth in that span. But the biggest area we see of unintended teen pregnancies is 15 to 19 with the highest in 18 to 19 year olds. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we have evidence-based, we know that that, those are programs that have undergone um, thorough evaluation um, against a rigorous standard and have been identified to actually change behavior and not just leave youth with knowledge-based content um, Mm -hmm. because we know just knowing the facts doesn't change behavior
0: okay we have a phone call we're going to go to the phones and mark from columbus is on the line mark go ahead
5: hi
8: um thanks for taking my call sure um i was just wondering on your statistics that you're sharing about the percentage being down 20 percent from five years ago is that based on how many people can get pregnant or is that just based on uh the percentage of people who do get pregnant
0: I think it's based just on the number of abortions, if I'm not mis- not mistaken. So
8: right, but if there was a lot more people who could get pregnant five years ago versus the amount of people who could get pregnant now, then I mean, that number would automatically go down.
0: Right? Uh, you know, I I don't have the the specifics in front of me. I see what you're saying, but but I know you know this was a, a report that was. I mean, you
8: say they're down 20 percent, but what's that based on?
0: Yeah, I know, and I, I can't really tell you right now. I'll see if our producers can can send me a note, and then we'll share it with you on the air.
1: Are, do you have a point you're trying to make, Mark? Well, I mean, statistics generally
8: will lie if you don't have all the facts.
1: So, so are you, on, you're challenging you know,
8: what your— What you want to share as far as the, the information that you have, it kind of makes it sound like, wow, that's a lot. But really, I mean, is it? I mean, is it based on just the total number of abortions, or is it— you know
0: yeah the, the
8: amount of people who can get pregnant and has that changed i mean if it went down 10 percent, the amount of people who can get pregnant then really it's only gone down 10 percent.
0: yeah I, I,
1: yeah i think they were just comparing years you know year to year um
0: i, I think the other the other point that in uh, the reason one of the reasons we're doing the show is because you know however they did the statistics indiana had a higher decline than higher rate of decline than anybody else so um, we're, we're getting some information here. It says
1: the oh, uh, numbers associated. were based on a report from the Associated Press, mm-hmm. and uh, right. we'll give you some more information. Uh, they're, they're gathering that for you now. But, so we'll probably have to get back to you, Mark, on that, if that's okay.
8: Well, that's fine. I just, you know, statistics are interesting if you have all the facts.
0: Right. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay. eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington. Uh 811877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. And you can also join the live chat at WFIU.org/slash noon Um yeah, so Mark's call you know statistics. I'm sorry we don't have the exact methodology for how this, this study was done and, and we don't, but we'll try to get that for him and share that one when, when we do. So Lee, I, I want you to, to sort of continue talking about what your organization does because you do a lot of training with not just youth, but you, you'll train staff members of other organizations or adults that, that uh, are going to be working in, in this area. So, uh, how do you do that training? How does that go? How well, so the crux of that?
5: what we do is providing staff or adult level interventions. Um, so, part of what we do is help communities, including school corporations, choose evidence-based uh, curricula that are appropriate for um, the age of the youth that they're serving, um, and also the demographics and uh, values that match with the community. Um, because there is an array of things that can match with different, you know, communities, obviously. Um, We also provide training and education for parents. um, A survey done out of the National Campaign to Prevent Teen Pregnancy has consistently found over the last 20 years that teens say that parents not peers partners or popular culture most influence their decisions about sex Um, and they say that it would be much easier for them to avoid pregnancy if they were able to talk more openly with their parents the problem is a lot of parents think either this education is happening at school or they themselves aren't comfortable or don't even know what to say so we do a lot of education for parents on you know What's medically accurate that you can say to your youth? How can you remove um, or include your own personal values and experiences, and what's appropriate? And also, um, where are places that you can go for resources for more information or even you know tips?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I you know if we can just talk very candidly i mean sex education has been an issue for ever and ever because people are in different places about their their comfort level Mm -hmm. with talking about sex or with thinking about sex or with thinking about their kids having sex or thinking about their parents having sex so it's just i mean this has been a, a long a long long time issue so you know i i congratulate you for trying to, to give people different options when you talk about, you know, the, what, what a community would accept. I mean, I'm sure that's absolutely true, too. I hadn't really thought about that. But can you give some examples of, of sort of the range of these 26 different Programs?
5: Yes. So there's everything from, you know, it's been said by a, a lot of people and experts that um, sex ed can start as early as elementary school. And obviously that would not mean you're doing hardcore sex ed with a <laughs> condom and a banana. Um, but we look at it as, from a positive youth development standpoint. So what behaviors can we teach kids that are going to make them able to make better, more informed decisions as they get older? Um, so One evidence-based program I'm familiar with is Raising Healthy Children. That can be implemented in elementary school. Um, And it's just things that teachers can do in the classroom for classroom management that help youth develop those skills that will help them later on make informed decisions. Um, There's also programs, one I'm familiar with, is Be Proud, Be Responsible, and that's a comprehensive sex education program, um, ideally for high school-age students, um, and that teaches the ins and outs of your birth control options, how you can use them, um, and where you can go to get them. Um, There's also things in between for middle school. So when we talk about abstinence education, um, I really believe, and I think a lot of people do an abstinence plus, um, most people agree that abstinence should be stressed for all youth. We want them to wait. It's best and most healthy for them to wait until they're older to have sex, but that's not the reality. So if we can get that message across at a younger age, the most appropriate would be middle school aged, um, and then start to integrate that uh, comprehensive sex ed with information about contraception. We allow them to be informed about all of their decisions.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get. Thank you for that. And um, a little more information for our last caller, Mark, um, from our producer who says that the uh, the AP Associated Press obtained the most recent abortion numbers from the health departments of all 45 states that compile such data on a comprehensive basis. So that is. Um, that's, what, that's
0: what we know. That's yeah, what we know. So, so uh, we have a phone call from Don in Bloomington. So, Don, go ahead.
9: Uh, well, you sort of. Touched on my point. Um, is there any way to know how many Indiana residents are leaving Indiana to receive abortions?
0: You know, I think Betty talked Just because about because
9: you make it more difficult here. Doesn't mean they're not getting abortions.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Betty talked about that earlier. I think right. um, if she was with us, she would point to Ohio, which also has, has laws that are very restrictive, and then she would point to Michigan, where the abortion, the percentage of abortions went up in the same time period. So that would uh-huh. suggest people aren't going to Ohio, but they might be going to Michigan.
9: Right. Well, it's
0: not that far. No. Pan- mm-hmm. Panelists, do you guys have any?
6: Well, any it, data on that or any Well, I don't have any data, but I would say that that we know that even in the best of circumstances, even if every pregnancy were planned, abortion would still be something that's necessary and that no birth control method is ever perfect. People can get pregnant after a tubal ligation or even with an IUD. Even though that's rare, it does happen.
9: One other one other point about um sex education now this may be considered trampling on people's rights but i'll say it anyway um the the large amount of people that i meet especially in the state of indiana that are unmarried with children is i think a very bad example to young people why should they temper their sexual desires if the adults surrounding them and often they're young adults are 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 already having children. I think that you have to speak to people above teenage ages as, uh, as well.
5: I, I and, agree. Uh, mm-hmm. I think parents a is a of, um, uh, in my own
9: family. Uh, you know, I- everywhere. You know, everybody feels that. You know, once years ago, I I was on a job working late at night, and I turned to some people who were adults, well, professioned, and I said, "Tell me something. What's more important to you that you meet?" In this case, it was men. Do that, you meet the woman that you want to spend your life with, or that you have your children. And every single one of them said the most important thing is to have children. You can always get another wife. I found that so repulsive. It is not the way I was raised, but I'm not like other people. Anyway, that's my that's my comment.
0: All right, Don. Thanks a lot for the call. Thank you. All right, eight one two eight 812-855-0811 or one eight seven seven. 285-9348 if you want to join the conversation. So, Lee, you were going to make a point.
5: Well, I was just going to agree um, with not just reaching out to the youth. We need to reach the adults in their lives as well, whether that's teachers, um, healthcare providers, um, and also their parents. So there are resources for, for staff and adults um, available mm-hmm. regarding sex ed.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so what is the status in the, in the schools in Indiana now?
5: Um, regarding sex regarding ed? sex ed, yeah. Um, so like I said before, it's mm-hmm. a pretty broad law, which can yeah. be interpreted in a good way or a bad way. Um, again, it requires a school to teach abstinence from sexual activity outside of marriage as the standard for school aged children. Um, but schools can and should integrate abstinence plus programs. Um, unfortunately, the majority of schools um, that I've interacted with aren't using evidence based programs, and that's not something that they're not able to do. So it was st- obviously funding is an issue sometimes, but you can look at these evidence-based curricula, and it gives you everything you need for how to approach subjects, how to answer questions, and all of it is the most important thing is it's extremely it's medically accurate, 100% medically mm-hmm. accurate. It's age-appropriate for the youth that you're serving, and it also allows you to not input your own values and opinions um, because it has the curriculum that you know, answers a lot of those questions.
1: So what's a barrier for a school system using that curricula?
5: Well, I've—I mean—and this is just from what I've interacted. A lot of schools are not really quite sure what their policy is regarding sex ed. The teachers aren't. Sometimes the principal, the principals aren't. A lot of it's decided by the school board. Um, however, that's something where parents can also get involved as well as other adults in the community. Um, the same survey I mentioned before, with the National Campaign to Prevent Teen Pregnancy, found that um, a majority of adults think and believe that teens should be provided with information about delaying sex, so abstinence, and then also comprehensive sex with information about birth control. So I think it's a misconception that people think we shouldn't talk about that in schools and that parents don't want that. And even if that were a case for some students, there's always an option to opt out your child from participating in a class. I've never seen um, any type of sex ed curriculum where the parents weren't notified and had to give some whether passive or active consent. Mm
1: -hmm. So it's not a financial barrier, necessarily. It's more of a we don't have our heads together on this. So we're just going to and leave it alone.
5: I mean, partially <laughs> it could be financial. I won't speak to, like, you know, school Yeah, I just <laughs> didn't know it's like a, a high cost
1: for, to buy the curriculum. I mean, or? some
5: of it's more expensive than others, but once you have it integrated and you have your staff trained, that's something that can continue for the life of the health education program at a school.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it always, you know, it's always interesting to think about, you know, kids are going to learn about sex. I mean, teenage kids, middle school, uh, high school for sure. And the idea that, uh, you know, they're interested in it, they're going to learn about it, perhaps having a program that has accurate information would be the best way to go.
1: Yes, How could we keep them ignorant out of our own will, which is yeah, <laughs> well,
5: another option?
0: I, we're, we're getting judgmental here, I guess. Yeah.
5: Well, I think the evidence shows that if you remove the barriers from teens, which is surrounding lack of knowledge or education about sex and contraception, and then you also... Um, you know, address their limited access to where they can receive those options, you kind of remove the barriers that we're seeing with the high rates of teen pregnancy.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, I want to turn back to Shelly Dodson, the director of the All Options Pregnancy Resource Center here in Bloomington, and you just opened May 1st, you've even opened? About
6: a little over a month.
0: A little over a month. Yeah. So in that little over a month, I mean, yeah. what, what's your experience been? What kind of Issues? Have you seen who's been seeking you out for uh, for information? Is, have you seen trends?
6: Yeah, I mean, as our name suggests, we that has spoken to the people that have com- been coming in to seek support, whether or not they want to talk about um, a birth experience that they had that was traumatic, or they, we've had lots of families coming in for diapers because that's one of the huge needs mm. that is not being met mm-hmm. um, in, in other ways for lots of families. Lots of Hoosier families are really struggling just to make ends meet and. Diapers is a big cost, and it's a big barrier to to being parents. Um, so that's one of the things that people have been coming in for. They've been coming in just to talk for a free pregnancy test. They're coming in because someone can come in, and they can take a pregnancy test there and, and to have a conversation about it. Or they can take a pregnancy test and leave and talk about it later. Because so, mm-hmm. sometimes we know that people don't want to talk about things in the moment. Mm-hmm. And... So it's, it, we, we've had a, the variety of people that have been coming in and seeking services and support.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, if someone comes in with a concern about, let's say, an STD, do you then refer them out? Yes. We would see if they have a,
6: a provider that they're mm-hmm. seeking care with. Otherwise, we'll, we will refer them out to Futures or talk to them about going to Planned Parenthood or other clinics. Okay.
0: Yeah. We'll have less than two minutes to go. And, Lee, I know that you have some trainings coming up. Correct.
5: Yes. So, um, healthcare education and training is currently scheduling um, regional trainings around the state, and they will be targeted for the same audience I spoke about before healthcare providers, youth workers, faith based leaders, um, and also parents to discuss current rates of teen pregnancy and birth in Indiana and also in specific communities, what the communities can do to help, you know. Address that those issues, and then also tips and resources, especially for parents, on talking to teens about sex. So you can find that at our website, um, www.hcet.org. And within the next two weeks, those um, locations should be posted, and there'll be information on how to register and attend.
0: Okay, good, because we, you know, we can't cover every issue here, okay. so it's good to get the website out. And do you guys have a website?
5: Yep, okay. it is
6: alloptionsprc.org.
0: Okay. All right, so we are out of time. You guys, I appreciate it. You guys were, uh, were great. We went over a lot of topics. Mm-hmm. Shelly Dodson, director of the All Options Pregnancy Resource Center here in Bloomington. Thank
6: you. What's, what's your old. address? We are at 1014 South Walnut Street, and we're open Tuesday through Friday. You can give us a call, 812-558-0089.
0: And Lee Zabin has been with us, Community Programs Director for Healthcare Education and Training. I want to thank uh, our producer, Lacey Scarmana, and also Alexander McCall, engineer Mike Pashkash, and Mary Catherine Carmichael. I'm Bob Salzberg, thanks for listening.
7: Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times, a podcast of this and other WFIU programs